I'm eager to share with you the Word of God, but before we get started, I'd like to say, tell you how grateful we are to have this opportunity to come out and share with you guys. Uh, we were, we attended here, we were here for six years, and this church had a great impact upon what we do now out in Enid. Uh, so I just want you guys to know, I appreciate you. You are always in our thoughts and in our prayers. Believe that. We're always thinking about you guys. And every chance I get, I always say, man, back at Northwest Bible Church, that get me in trouble sometimes, but uh, it's all good. Just want you to know, I am grateful to be here with you guys. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Romans 12. We'll look at the first two verses, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us go to our Lord in prayer for help in this time of worship. Oh God, our Father, you who spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in your son whom you appointed heir of all things through whom also, the worlds were made. Father, may we lift up that Jesus, the Savior, our Savior, our Lord, who reigns in heaven, who rules over his church, who gives gifts to men, who saves the sin-sick soul. Father, may we find comfort in Christ and his gospel on this day. Father, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to enable us to see the truths that are, that are in these two scriptures. May they become to us encouragement. And to those who don't know you, may they convict of sin. For your sake and for your glory, it is in Christ's name I pray, amen. We're going to speak on the topic of live a life that is pleasing to God. I want you to know that, and you notice, because you're in a church where a great preaching and teaching goes on, that faith is not just a, a one-time event. We're not just saved by God. We're also expected to live our lives for him and to live in a way that pleases him. And we do this primarily by loving him and obeying him. Deuteronomy 11 verse 1 says, God commands, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and always Always keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his commandments. If your heart has, has been changed, you will obey him. Even in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, which we'll be looking at here today, Paul uses the word obedience seven times. He uses the root word of obedience, it is used 20 times. 
obedience, as it were, is, is the bookend of the letter. Turn to Romans 1. And it is here the Apostle Paul writes to the Jews and the Gentiles in the church at Rome. He writes, starting at verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, notice, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Obedience of the faith. Turn to Romans 16, verse 26. In fact, verse starting at verse 25. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations. Notice, leading to obedience of faith. Obedience is the bookend of Romans. And, and obedience of faith conveys to us the picture of listening to and, and submitting to and, and, and obeying the gospel which one has heard. Such obedience is not about you or me working to please God. It is a loving and, and joyful response of faith and, and trust and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. John MacArthur notes, he says, true saving faith always produces obedience and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, end quote. So, so before we go on, we must quickly point out here that, that the obedience that God requires is only characteristic of true believers in Christ. If you're not saved, you do not have the capacity to obey God because your heart is corrupted by sin. You, you are morally incapable of living in a way that is pleasing to God no matter what you may do, no matter what you may say. In your heart, your true desire is to rebel against God and to reject His Son. And this is the judgment. John says, John 3, 19 and 20, he says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. Who is the light? Jesus is the light. And if you're not saved, you hate him. I can't say it more clearly than that. You hate him. I want you to know that at the beginning that you cannot obey God as you should because you do not honor the Son. Jesus says, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Jesus says in John 5 and 4, he says, you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. You have heard the offer of the gospel repeatedly from this pulpit and in classes, maybe in another church, maybe from someone trying to witness to you on the streets, and yet you do not see anything desirable about God or Christ. You do only what your corrupt heart desires. 
you do not treasure Christ. And because of this, you abide under the wrath of God. And no amount of works you perform can save you. You must come to Jesus Christ. You must come to Jesus Christ. We have to start with that. He is the treasure of heaven. You must embrace him by faith. You must trust him and you must repent of your sin. Because I love you, I have to make that known before we go on. And even as believers, we do not always obey God and follow him, follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we ought. We, we easily give in to the temptation to disobey God. And, and many times we fall back into old patterns of living. And we often disappoint ourselves when we find ourselves living like we did when we were enemies of God. We commit the very sins we hate. In response to this, we panic and, and often we turn to our own feeble Efforts to try to please a holy God on our own. And so how can we who have, have been made alive, those who are believers today, who, 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 who honestly want to serve God with all their heart, how can we who have been made alive by God keep from turning to our own attempts to live the Christian life? We must remember that God has rescued us. He has already done it. He has rescued us from our pitiful state by his mercy. And, 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 and so we must settle down in our hearts and build upon the foundational truths we already know. And now we come to our passage of scripture and the first point of our outline, which is there is to be a contemplation of God and his mercies if we are to live in a way that pleases him. Look at verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And I want to focus just on uh, this phrase, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God first. You know, what we do in our lives should flow from what we know about God. The way you live your daily life should flow out of what you know about God as revealed in Scripture. And notice, in our passage, the word therefore is there. And it's there to point us back to the last 11 chapters which have been about God and his work of redemption. Holy and, and righteous and, and just God has, has acted on our behalf. And, and, and nothing should be more precious to us than this. Nothing should be more captivating to us than this amazing reality that God has acted on our behalf. The, the, the creator of all things. He who is, who is self-sufficient. He who needs nothing from man has chosen to intervene in the helpless state of his elect. He who commanded all things into existence in the beginning. He against whom we were in outright rebellion against. The good news of the gospel is that God has chosen to act. And that's why Paul ends. He ends Romans 11 uh, with this in verse 36, he says, oh, oh, the depth of the riches of, of both of, of the wisdom and the, the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and, and unfathomable his ways. Then he concludes in verse 36, he says this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him, <laughs> to him be the glory forever, forever and ever, all eternity. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This God is worthy of our contemplation. He's worthy of all our thoughts and our attention. Amen. 
Amen. So, so, so what you do should flow from what you know about God. And also what you do must be based upon what God has already done for us in Christ as revealed in Scripture. We don't have to, as, as, as believers, we don't have to live in fear for the remaining fallenness that, that resides in us. And, and we are aware of that, aren't we? Romans 7, Paul said, the, the good I want to do, I don't do, but the evil that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And what are you saying in Romans 8? He says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to live in fear, brothers and sisters. But we do have to ensure that our focus is in the right place. God has acted, and how has he acted to us? Paul calls it here in this verse, he calls it the mercies of God. God has made us who were dead in sin and spirit. He has made us spiritually alive in Christ. He has justified us. And the righteousness he demands. He has provided for us in Christ. He has changed us and enabled us to resist sin and to serve him and to worship him. Not because we deserve it. No one deserves such goodness. Paul himself knew this. And, 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 and notice he, he uses this word. He says, he says, uh, hey, he says, I urge you. This, this word here pictures someone calling uh, another to his side and lovingly and yet demandingly presenting his message to him. And this is important because remember Paul, and I know y'all are familiar with this because Alan has just been teaching on a Paul who used to be called Saul, right? Y'all just talked about that. Remember Paul, whose name used to be Saul, who was previously a persecutor of the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, who thought he was righteous apart from Christ, now who sees himself as the the chief of sinners. And, And this is the Paul. This is the Paul who is speaking. This is the Paul who is coming alongside these believers, appealing to them by the same mercy He had experienced himself. Hallelujah. The same mercy he had experienced himself. He he is he is coming along inside. He is exhorting. He he is he is exhorting these believers to action. Now let's look a little deeper at what the mercies of God are. What are they? Well, back in chapter one, Paul reveals a photo or a snapshot of all humanity. In Romans 1 and 18, and this is true of all people who will live and ever live. And he says in verse 18, he says, of, of us all, we ignored the real, the revealed wrath of God. We suppressed his truth. Verse 21, he says, for even though they, us, all of us, knew God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. We were there at one time. Romans 1, 25, he says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Romans 1, 28, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Romans 1, 32, knowing the righteous judgment of God, they do and approve of those who practice such things. This used to be the state of those who are in Christ. And Paul wants to remind them of this. And, and against this black, this, this, this dark and uh, this dark backdrop, he, he lets us look at a snapshot of the mercies of God to us in Christ. Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. Let's turn there. I'm talking about the mercies of God. Notice, he says, for a while we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We see that we were, we were helpless. And, and while we were still helpless, 
Christ died for us. We were ungodly. It says in verse 7, for one will die, hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. Look at verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He says, verse 9, much more than having been justified, now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Verse 10, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. While we were helpless, while we were ungodly, while we were sinners, while we were abiding under the wrath of God, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Had nothing to do with what we were doing, what we were able to accomplish for God, because we were, according to Ephesians 2, Verses 1 through 5, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. But it was because of God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. That is what the mercy of God is all about. You were dead. You had no life. And God commanded life through his word, to come into your soul, to make you alive. That is mercy, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the mercies of God that Paul is speaking of throughout the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. We who were in a previous state of uh, misery, this is the good news of the gospel. We are not anymore. God has brought us from a, a pitiful state to a blessed state in Christ. We have been redeemed in Christ. We have been justified and have been set apart in Christ. We can now worship God and live willingly for his purpose in Christ. And this is all because of God who is rich in mercy and he exercised that mercy toward us. And by his grace enabling us to to, to come alive and to have the faith to, to, to move toward Christ and to place faith in him and to repent of our sins. That is the mercies of God. And, and so we must contemplate God and his mercies if we're going to live, walk on the path that he wants us to walk on. Second thing we must notice is that there's a consecration that Paul calls for he says he goes on in Romans 1 he says to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship we're to, we're to live in a way that pleases God and, 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 and we're to do this willingly and totally uh, as part of uh, our dedication to him in service our personal behavior reflects what we believe about God. What you and I do every day reflects what we say we believe about God. If, if we believe He is sovereign, we'll live in accordance with that reality. If we believe he is a merciful God, we'll live in accordance with that reality. If you believe that God is a God of mercy who has acted favorably toward you, then your behavior must be different. The Roman believers are, are, are now to, to live for God only. They and us as well are to, to yield our lives totally to serving him. We are to be those who, who, who present 
our bodies to him in service. And, and Paul here is using sacrificial language. He, when he says present your bodies, this is the same language used of the priest when he placed an offering on the altar. And, and we must notice here that Paul is not telling us to present ourselves as an offering of sin, for sin. Christ has died for us. He, and he ended the old covenant sacrificial system. Hebrews 10 and 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being, who are sanctified. Christ gave himself as a, as a one-time offering that is sufficient to save us. And so we don't, we're not presenting ourselves as an offering to atone for our sins because Jesus Christ has already done that. And, and this word, this, this, this word present here is a verb in the, in the aorist tense. And, I, and it's of my opinion that, uh, that the, the aorist tense uses, it presents the, the action of the verb as a whole. Uh, it is not a reference to time. It, it is it is not about a process. It, it, it emphasizes the the, the sole total uh, of 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 the, the the verb. And so, present here is is to be is is representative of of what we are to be. It is not about a time. It, it is to be the reality. It, it is not merely an an, an outward form. But the, the presentation, he says, literally, you present your bodies. It's a presentation of, of ourselves, our whole person, our whole being. This, this is a voluntary uh, presentation. We, we, we present ourselves to be at God's disposal. And, and, and this is not, not partial. It's not a partial presentation. But, but we're to present ourselves, all that we are, all that we are, our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, all that we are. And so if, if, if you're saved, the, the culmination of salvation that God has, has wrought in Christ in you is so that you can submit totally to Him, is all I'm trying to say. And, and, and if you have no problem living like a, a rebel, then you're probably not saved. If, if, if you, uh, do not desire to to submit yourself and and all that you are to God, and you have no problem running uh, among the world and and in their sin, then this doesn't make sense to you. But only believers are able to do this because Jesus Christ has gave Himself. We now can give ourselves to God totally, willingly. And voluntarily. And also this implies that there are to be no periods of time when we submit ourselves to God. Today I did and tomorrow I will not. Part time submission is not a characteristic of a believer's life. It shouldn't be a characteristic of, of our life. But we struggle with this. We're not to be just available. We're, we're to be permanently God. And, 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 and this is a reversal of the mindset we had, uh, that was previously, uh, revealed to us in Romans 1. This, this is, this is the miracle of salvation. That those who used to live for themselves and their own desires now can give of themselves to Jesus Christ. And to God the Father. And, and be able to walk in line and in submission to the to, his, to the Holy Spirit. And, and notice that the sacrifice of our bodies is described in two ways, in three ways rather. First, it is described as a living sacrifice. We, we are to live as those brought from death to life through spiritual union with Jesus Christ. We, we, are, we are unified with him in both his death and resurrection. And, 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 and all that we are, is his. If, if we are in Christ, all that we are and all that we, uh, will be is because of Jesus Christ. 
And, and so we're to offer every part of ourselves to God. We're, we're to dedicate our bodies to his service. And, and a living sacrifice contrasts that of a, of a slain or a dead animal in the Levitical offering. It's not let go and let God. It, it, it is not a, 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 a point of, of where we, we reach a point of perfection in life where we live pleasing to, pleasing to God. It's not a place of where we, we are broken to the point to where now we really made it. We were dead to sin and now we're alive in Christ. We have been transformed by the gospel of Christ. And, 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 and Paul said the, uh, the same thing. He said in Galatians 2 and 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It ain't no more about his righteousness. He has been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And this change in his life was evident. He displayed the reality of this change that he has that, that now he is in Christ and he is living by faith in Christ. He said in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. Now, in Christ, he has been made alive and now he is sensitive to the love of God. And he says, now the love of Christ controls us. It compels us. It, it motivates us. Having concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore, all died. What, what motivated Paul to serve Christ was Christ. You don't need music. You don't need worship bands. You don't need youth ministries. You need Christ. And that's all you need. And I have to say that in the culture in which we live, they're offering up everything other than Jesus Christ to appeal to those who are dead in their sin. Paul lived in total submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did this because of the love that Jesus Christ displayed for him at the cross. He, he, he understood that reality. He, he embraced that reality. And that, that reality motivated uh, him in the gospel ministry. He had no motivation within himself and he was willing to follow Christ no matter the cross or no matter the cost and and not only are we to be a living sacrifice we're to be holy we, we must not have anything about us that is not submitted to God the God who called you is holy and and and, and we're now dead to sin and and we're now slaves to righteousness we, we, we must resist sin, the sin to turn and to, to live for ourselves. There is to be no personal ambition, no personal gratification uh, that we place above that of Jesus Christ. My, my attitudes and my thoughts are his. My body is his. All that I have is his. That's what it means to be holy. I live for him completely. As ones who have been called and separated from the world. And when we do this, we are pleasing to God. We please him. We, we delight him when we, when we, when, when, when our lives revolve around Jesus Christ. Remember Stephen, when he was getting stoned, he submitted himself to that persecution. And what does it say? What does the scripture say happened in heaven? While Stephen is getting stoned, he has submitted himself to the persecution and they're throwing, they're stoning him to kill him. 
They're stoning him. And while that was happening, Jesus Christ stood up on the throne. He was pleased with Stephen. Stephen gave his all for Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. And the Lord stood, and this is the only time he stood up on the throne. He was standing at the right hand of the Father. This is the logical response. Our lo- there, the, the, the logical response because of God and his mercy to us is to totally and fully and completely surrender ourselves to him in love. This is not to be an outward ceremony or rite. We're not just to go through the motions. When, when, when you and I understand the significance of all that God has done, we will yield ourselves wholeheartedly to him. The more you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the more it will move you to give everything. And that is part of the gospel call, isn't it? Those who come to Jesus Christ must do what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Those who come to Jesus Christ must hate or love less their father, their mother, their sister, their brother. The love that they have for Jesus Christ, if you will believe the love that you have for Jesus Christ, must be such that you're willing to turn your back on your family for his sake. That's why we must preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again and, and, and meditate upon it and, 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 and set our thoughts upon it and ponder the, 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 the reality that God, who is holy, sent God the Son, who is holy, who is the Creator. He sent Him into a world who rejected Him and rebelled against Him to die for such sinners, such sinners as you and I. That should motivate, I don't know about you, but that motivates me. If that do not touch your heart, if, 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 if that if, if, if that doesn't move you, then you're dead. You're dead. If you're sitting here wondering about what time I'm going to finish, you're dead. You're dead. Because this is the Word of God. This is what God has said to us. This is what God has done for us. And not only should we behave differently. We should, we should think differently as well. And this is my last point. There is to be a, a cultivation. We, we, we started with there is a contemplation where we set our mind and our focus upon God and His mercy. Then as a result of what God has done and what we contemplate, what we think about and what we understand of God and His mercy, there is to be a consecration. We're to be compelled to, to, to give ourselves Totally. And then lastly, we're to cultivate. We're to, uh, in a sense, look at verse two. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable and perfect. And so we must we must stop adapting the sinful patterns of this world. We, we are to cultivate a life of obedience to God's word from a mind that has been renewed. And we do this by first not conforming to this world. And this word conform means to change outwardly in a way that is, that is not consistent with who you are. It, it refers to, to a posture or, or an attitude that may be changed at will. But believers are to, to, to put off 
sinful thinking. Or in other words, stinking thinking. My kids got that. Heard them chuckle over there. Uh, uh, This is not, you, you not have the capacity to think right. And as you meditate upon the word of God, you have the capacity now to understand what God has said. And we're to to not look at the world, but we're to glean and, and set our focus upon God's word. And we're to to train our minds to think in line with God's word about everything. He says, don't be don't conform to this world. Because this world is passing away. It it, it is fading away. The world is filled with sinners. It is filled with things that and and people who who are against God, that reject God. And so because of that, we're to look away from that. We're not to conform ourselves to that in in a way that we act, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the word of God is is to 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 be paramount. It, the, the word of God is, 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 it, it can strengthen you. It can nourish you. It, it can build your spiritual muscles. It, it can inflame you with hope in Christ. And, 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 and when you meditate upon the word of God and you drink upon it in a regular basis, Psalms 1 says you will be blessed. Psalms 1 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the, of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We, we're to, to meditate upon the word of God so that we can think biblically about everything. We, we are to act in accordance to the word of God. And, and, and David Powerson said it this way in his book titled Seeing with New Eyes. He said, when you see differently, you interpret differently. You react differently. You, uh, you, your intent, you, you intend differently and you act differently, end quote. I'm going to say that again. When you see differently, as you transform your mind, and you obey the word of God, you begin, you see differently. And as you see differently, you interpret things differently. You react to things differently. You, your intent is different. Everything is different. We, we are to develop, in other words, a biblical worldview. And Paul himself had such a mindset change in him. He went from persecuting to treasuring Christ. He went to, from persecuting Christ to treasuring him. Philippians 3 and 8 says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value. Wait a minute. This is Paul who used to persecute Christians. And, 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 and was going against Christ. He now says, I count all things as, as lost. His religious works, his, 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 his righteous upbringing, uh, everything. He says, I, I can't even get it, get it like surpassing value. Christ, is, he is now valuable to him. He said the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Man, what a miracle the new birth is. That it creates such a desire to know Christ that, that we see him as a treasure. We, we see him as, as a pearl of great price. 
And because we see him as that, we give up everything. We have the capacity to give up everything. If it was required of me, I can give up everything in, in, in love and not hold on to it because I love him. That's what the new birth brings about. You are alive in Christ. You love him now. And because of that, we should train our mind to think in line with the God who sent this Jesus Christ. And we're to allow the Holy Spirit to change the way we think and reason and make judgments. And then we're to recognize and to put into practice God's will for every situation. Paul goes, he says, go and says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and, and perfect. Now, true biblical wisdom consists of right thinking, joined with right believing, resulting in right living. And, and, and as we joyfully submit ourselves to God out of gratification for God's mercy, as you order every step according to God's word with thanksgiving, and as you make Christ and his gospel known, it sends forth an aroma, uh, an aroma that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. As you, in other words, as you live for Christ, as you, as you live for him, your life becomes an, an, an aroma to the world, to believers, and to non-believers. That God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. We see this in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. It says, but thanks be to God who leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us, the, and this is through us, the, the preaching of the gospel, us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are for we are the fragrance of God, the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. And that's why unbelievers hate Christians. If you live for Christ, to them, you are an aroma from death to death. They already know God exists. They reject Jesus Christ. And when you live righteously and you live like Jesus Christ, you become an aroma of death to them. And as you proclaim Christ, you are aroma of death. That one day you will have to face him. And to the other, from life to life. And Paul says, and who is adequate for these things? Have I convinced you to set all of your attention upon God? To meditate upon him? To think upon his mercies? And, and that's hard. Even as a believer, isn't it? There are so many things that we have. So many gadgets we have that we are tempted to give our time to. And they don't satisfy duty. They don't satisfy. And when you give yourself over to these things, you're left with a sense of emptiness and conviction. So, Contemplate, set your focus upon God and his mercy so that you can rightly live in a way that pleases him. Set yourself apart totally and willingly to to his service. And, and cultivate a mindset that is in line with his word. And this will strengthen you and enable you to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Amen? Let us pray. Father, we can say like the Apostle Paul, who, who is adequate for these things? Father, we realize quickly that we are clay vessels, that we 
oftentimes don't live the way that you would want us to live. And at times we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed because you have given us the knowledge of the gospel. And how we at times live indifferently to that gospel message. Father, help us to live in a way that pleases you. And let it start with you. May we not look to our own ways, come up with our own thoughts, but let it be from what you have already done in Jesus Christ. Those who are the elect, you have already justified us. You have already sanctified us. Father, we are redeemed in Christ. The work is done. And we are to live in accordance with that. But Father, if those, if there are those who are, are here, Father, that aren't in Christ, who have not placed faith in Jesus Christ, Father, impress upon them that they need to run to the Savior. There is no other way to the Father except through the Son. There is only way for us to be made right with God. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And in repentance of sin. Acknowledging that we're sinful and you're holy and we have fallen short of what you have required of us. Father, if there's someone here today in need of Christ, help them to run to Christ. Thank you for this church. Thank you for those who serve. We thank you for the elders. Continue to bless them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.